Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Josh Raymond, and so glad to have you listening and joining us here. Let me ask you something. As we're working through, uh, <laughs> we're working through this season of Easter. Let me ask: Are you saved? Has anybody ever asked you that question? Are you saved? Maybe it was phrased in a different way, like someone asking you if you're born again or if you've received Jesus into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior. Perhaps they've asked a different kind of question. If you were to die tonight and found yourself standing before God and he asked you, why should I let you into heaven? How would you respond? That's one of those questions I remember uh, growing up as a Baptist. Have you been faced with any of those sorts of questions? And how, how did you respond? More importantly, do you know what the Catholic Church really teaches when it comes to salvation? A few years ago, I remember watching a portion of an interview on The Late Show, and the host, Stephen Colbert, was interviewing uh, comedian Jim Gaffigan, And at one point, they got into a brief conversation about both of them being Catholics. Now, both of them are, they're very quick-witted, they're humorous people, and neither of them claim to be a theologian. They're, They're entertainers. So, as I was watching this interview, I didn't take their exchange to be a true representation of their actual beliefs as Catholics, although there was some truth that was sprinkled in there. Um, But it was more of just a a fun back and forth to amuse those listening and watching. And uh, Jim, do we have that clip ready? Okay, so here's a little clip from that interview. I'm not a good Catholic. Are there there good Catholics? Well, there's... A good Catholic would not consider himself a good Catholic. Right. Well, that's probably why there's not a test, right? Like if there was a test for Catholics, no one would pass. Eventually there is, Jim. There is. There's a final exam. There is. There's a final exam at the end of it. Pencils down, gentlemen. Pencils down. That's what being an old person's all about. That's why church is filled with old people. They're cramming it in at the end. Right? They're like, I'm here. I'm here. Trying to make up for some time. The ultimate Make up for my 20s. (laughs) All right. Now, again, as I said, we're only three days into the celebratory season of Easter, and the fact that Jesus did suffer and die and rose again from the dead, that means we have that hope of salvation. And the reason I was thinking of that clip of Jim Gavigan and Stephen Colbert is they make kind of this reference to the final judgment. They talk about it in terms of a final test or cramming it in at the end or trying to make up for lost time. And, And again, while we understand that this is playful banter, that they're they're not trying to make some sort of uh, uh, you know declarative ironclad presentation on what really happens at the end of our lives, what happens when we step into eternity, but they hit on some points that 
some people might think are valid, you know, that that there is something that, uh, you know, we're able to do. There's there's something that we can do at the end of our lives after we die. Um, and there's some truth and maybe there's some confusion there. So what does it mean to be saved? What does the Catholic Church really teach about salvation? There are, are so many different ideas in the world about what happens when we die. Even in so many different non-Catholic Christian communities, there's different beliefs on what's required for salvation. Um, So how should you respond when someone asks if you're saved? And when have you had that kind of a conversation with somebody, maybe a friend, a family member, maybe somebody that, you know, knocked on your door and asked if you're saved or made some sort of presentation about what might happen uh, when you die or what, what comes after the end of the world? How did you respond Were you able to help clear up maybe some misconceptions about what the person thought you believe as a Catholic? Or did you find yourself walking away frustrated or maybe even a little bit confused after speaking with someone on this topic of salvation? And to help us look at this, to help us get a better understanding of what we mean when we talk about salvation— Uh, We've got one of our spiritual directors here, of course, joining us, Father Bobby Blood. Father Blood is a priest in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois, and he's the associate priest at Holy Family Church in Rockford. And Father Blood, welcome back to The Inner Life, and so glad to have you here. Happy Easter. Happy Easter, Josh. It's great to be back with you and talking about this wonderful topic and, and, and celebrating the resurrection together. Yes, yes, and... Uh, like I said, you know, Jesus rising from the dead, it, it gives us hope that we can follow in his footsteps, just as St. As Paul said, that we we know that if we die, we have the hope of rising again. Um, one of the things that I thought was so interesting when I was coming into the church, uh, you know, I had always been, as a Baptist growing up, there was the the notion, of course, there's no salvation outside of Jesus. You know, Jesus makes bold claims, I am the way, the truth, the life. Uh, No one comes to the Father except through me. But the Catholic Church actually makes that same kind of bold claim when it comes to the subject of salvation, and it says there is no salvation outside of the Church. And while that might be a bold claim, I thought it might be a good starting point for us to look at this and understand what does the Catholic Church really mean when it says that there's no salvation outside the Church, and and what does it not mean? Um, Because we know that Jesus wants everyone to come to to salvation, everyone to come to uh, be saved and have that relationship, that, that, uh, you know, be able to be in eternity with him. So what does that mean that there's no salvation outside of the church? Yeah, we, we, we love a good hook, don't we? That's the way to start off a great homily. You say something that rubs a few people the wrong way, uh-huh. and then we can really get into it. Um, you know, that, that phrase, no salvation outside the church, has been used for, for a, a long time, right? It, even the fathers. Um, but to dig into uh, what it means, we, we look towards the catechism where they kind of reformulate it in a more positive way. It says that all salvation comes from Christ the head through the church, which is his body. So I think first we start there to realize that uh, the church, this sort of institution we've come to love, is the body of Christ. And to realize that that's not just um, some phrase we use to, to draw a picture, but more of a reality that Christ the head works through the church. And so, um, as you said, you know, as a Baptist using the phrase, no salvation outside of Christ, it's almost an extension of that reality. If we really believe that the church is the body of Christ, uh, then that's the place for salvation. Um, That's the place where we can find 
comfort in, in the activity of God and, and drawing near to his sacrifice on the cross. But I think what it doesn't mean and what we have to avoid is that those who don't find themselves with uh, Sunday Mass going Catholic on their ID card are not hopeless. Um, and I think that's where we have to maybe nuance or, or enter into deeper dialogue to realize that um, if someone encounters salvation, it's coming from Jesus and it's coming from his church. Now, could someone uh, receive that grace and not be, in a traditional sense, belonging? Could be, right? The Lord works in, in beautiful ways. And so we find some safety and some confidence in the church, knowing that this is the way, uh, but realizing God, not bound by his own institutions and his own sacraments, uh, can kind of move uh, about in the way that he desires, right? Right. Well, and it makes me think of, you know, what we just read through on Good Friday, there's the the thief on the cross, you know, uh, kind of quote unquote the good thief, um, where he says those words, you know, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then he doesn't have the opportunity to be baptized. He doesn't have the opportunity to, uh, you know, receive the Eucharist. He doesn't have the opportunity for any of the sacraments that we would look at, like you say, in this institution that has been founded by Christ, which is the normal way that we would look as Catholics, saying this is this is the path to salvation that Christ has established for us. But it makes me think, yeah, there, there's obviously going to be those opportunities out there where, you know, well, well, we want to take advantage of the Church and all that it offers for us. God isn't bound by that. He can still work in those lives. So uh, that also should give us some hope then uh, for family members who maybe aren't Catholic or if they've strayed from the faith. There's always still that hope that God can work in their lives. Um, it doesn't doesn't get us off the hook. We still want to pray for them and still want to be able to talk with them when the, those appropriate opportunities come up. But it does mean that, uh, you know, even though we know this is the, the best way to uh, have that salvation, to, to be able to make it to heaven, that God still is working with each one of us trying to meet us where we are. And I realize we, we play the long game as Christians. I inherited the RCA program back uh, in the, the winter time when one of our deacons passed away, and there were a lot of folks who were hoping their, their family would join and, and come into the church by Easter. Uh, but, you know, certain things happen, and people drag their feet, and, and there can be a real sting of despair, like, ah, there's no time. And to some degree, right, we should run to the Lord as fast as we can, but also to realize that the Lord's not done with us, and um, He works at His pace, and we just can continue to try and participate and uh, enter into that grace that He's offering. You know, let's go through a couple other terms here, too, that sometimes get thrown around um, when we're talking about salvation, especially with non-Catholic Christians. There's the phrase, born again, and Jesus talks about this in his conversation with Nicodemus when we look at the third chapter of St. John's Gospel. Um, There's that famous verse that actually I think it's coming up within the next week or two that we've got um, in the daily readings for Mass where there's that John 3.16, you know, the the card, the placard that somebody will hold up at ball games, And we hear Jesus talking to Nicodemus about being born again. But born again can kind of interchangeably be used with the idea of salvation for an evangelical or a Protestant. Can you understand, or can you help us understand what Catholics mean when we talk about being born again? Yeah, I think 
uh, to kind of to put them side by side, when when you hear many Protestants talk about being born of again, sometimes it's that moment of uh, profession that Jesus is the Savior um, and He's the one uh, that we trust in. Right, not a bad thing to do. Um, but when we use the phrase "born again," it's usually in accord with baptism. It's with that sacrament where we're being um, born again through water. Right, wash away of our sins, uh, become that you know adopted son or daughter of God. So that a moment where many of us experience as, as babies um, to be be able to to be born again in that moment through baptism, um, but to realize that that isn't a one-time reality. The Lord allows a level of renewal in our soul day in and day out through the other sacraments, the Eucharist, confession, even just moments of encounter, right? I experience the Lord in a deeper way today, in a new way, and I'm being, you know, resolved in a new way to, to enter into that relationship. Whereas I think outside of the Catholic Church, oftentimes it's one-time sort of reality where I've had that moment of conversion and now I'm done, it's over, I'm born again, past tense. But I think uh, our understanding is a little more consistent, continual conversion, I think, is what the Lord is calling us into. Yeah, and, and another phrase that we hear, um, and maybe we can hit on this a little bit here, too, is, um, have you received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? And I always uh, kind of found it humorous, because that phrase, you won't find it any place in Scripture. That's definitely a phrase that's been kind of developed in evangelical or Protestant uh, groups as they have uh, worked on evangelizing. And I I will say that the evangelization efforts of some of our Christian brothers and sisters out there, they're really, really uh, astounding. I mean, they they have a heart to reach people for Christ. They have such a good, uh, just a a love of wanting to want the best for people and and hope for their salvation, that they can make it to heaven. Um, But that idea of a personal Lord and Savior, so much of what we do in the Catholic Church, it's based around the idea of community, of being the body of Christ, united together. You know, when one of us sins, it hurts the body, that sort of thing. So uh, we obviously are individuals, though. You know, we do have our own individual personal experience. So is there any truth behind this concept of a personal Savior, or should we really look more at... Um, the saving work of Christ, yes, it's for us individually, but it's for the body of Christ at large? I, th- I think it's a both-and, as in most things are. Right? There's something inviting about that idea, you know, personal Lord and Savior. It almost it, it feels more intimate than maybe what uh, a Catholic would, would hear in their theology classes growing up. Um, and so, to some degree, right, we do have these personal moments with Jesus, or at least they feel personal. And I think um, that's real, right? I, on Holy Thursday, I reflected on uh, the apostles, the intimacy of the Last Supper, right? These chosen few at this wonderful meal. But then you realize that this intimate dinner was also the manifestation of the gift of the Eucharist, realizing that this is causing ripples throughout the entire church for all of history, right? to the point of even uh, the Eucharist given on Sunday in 2021. Right? Intimate moments with Jesus have long-lasting effects. And so even in personal moments of prayer with Jesus, uh, the entire church body is built up. When we grow in virtue and we receive deep grace, even if we can't see it in an invisible sort of way, the entire body is affected. 
the same is true in the inverse, right? When we sin, when we when we choose to go against God, that not only hurts us in a personal way, but it also affects the whole church body. It causes those ripples, and and that's why I think when we speak about this personal relationship with Jesus, um, if if that's the only sort of reflection we have, it almost causes us to set aside accountability, uh, to set aside the need to continue to uh, enter into conversion and strive for more. Uh, because, well, I've already got it. What more do I need? Whereas, in accord with the whole body, we're all kind of moving as one to try and grow in grace and get closer to that level of perfection that Jesus desires for us as a community. Yeah, the other thing that it brings to mind, too, is just the example of the saints and knowing that uh, you know, as Jesus talked with the Sadducees, and they were trying to trip him up, and and on the question of the resurrection, you know, this man or the, this this woman has been married to these seven different brothers in accordance with the law. You know, she was married with this one, had no children. Uh, he died. She married the next brother, and same thing happened again and again and again. And then Jesus ends up saying, "Well, um, you know, y- you." aren't understanding what really is happening here. You know, we talk about the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He's the God of the living, not of the dead. And we have the saints that have been this example for us. And so in that in that community aspect, you know, you talk about there being the accountability, and it makes me think, well, it's not just the accountability aspect. There's also that example that we have. So I, I guess I would consider myself so fortunate to live so far beyond the time of Jesus because I have so many examples I can look to and say, oh, <laughs> you know, they've done it. There's still hope for me. Right, and, and I think what's, what's beautiful, too, is what makes the saint's story so impressive but struggle, uh, to have these examples where um, they've had a hard time living out that Christian life, right? If they would have just presumed in some sense that I'm good to go, right, I, I've met God and I'm, I'm done, uh, one, we wouldn't really reverence the struggle and we wouldn't be able to reverence the glory of the Father being made known in that particular life. And to realize that, uh, kind of what you're saying, God's calling us to that same sort of heroic mission looks different and unique for each of us, but he has that particular plan and that way by which he wants to show the world that the glory of God is real. We're talking with Father Bobby Blood, a priest in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois, talking about salvation, what the Catholic Church teaches on the subject of salvation. When have you been asked by someone, when have you had that conversation with someone, a friend, a family member, a co-worker, uh, who asked, are you saved, or, you know, in some variation thereof? How did you respond to that? Were you able to uh, respond and help them understand a Catholic understanding of salvation, or was it something where you walked away and you weren't sure how to, how to really respond, how to um, you know, make them understand what your beliefs are when it comes to salvation? You can give us a call, share your experience, and uh, even get a little advice for the next time that you may have one of those conversations from our spiritual director. The number to call, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com, and we'll be back with more here on The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester.
Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond, and so glad to have you listening, as today on The Inner Life, we're talking about salvation. What does it mean to be saved, especially from a Catholic understanding? Uh, It might be a little different than if uh, uh, you've had somebody approach you and ask about, oh, are you saved? Uh, When have you had that, that conversation? Maybe with a friend or a family member, somebody who asked you, are you saved? Are you born again? Uh, how did you respond to that? How'd the conversation go? Uh, was it something where you were able to have a good conversation and the person said, oh, okay, yeah, no, I, I, I see, you really do understand salvation? Or was it something where you didn't know how to respond and you walked away maybe a little confused? Well, that's why our spiritual director is here today to help on those questions. And we'd love to hear in those, uh, those experiences that you've had uh, as, as we journey together here, try to make our, our lives a little closer to the Holy Spirit and His leading, uh, you can give us a call, 888-914-9149. Again, that's 888-914-9149, or email innerlife@relevantradio.com. And our spiritual director is Father Bobby Blood, a priest in the Diocese of Rockford. And Father Blood, um, as we're talking here, we, we were discussing a lot of just different possible misconceptions of terminology, of things that, uh, you know, we might be talking past someone. You know, they're using one term or one phrase, and it doesn't necessarily mean the same thing that we understand as Catholics. And I think that misunderstanding can also come up when it comes to the role that faith and good works play in our salvation. And uh, myself coming from uh, Baptist background, you know, it was always, well, you're only saved by faith through grace. And of course, that's a quote from uh, St. Paul. Um, and, and there's that, of course, is, is good in and of itself. But when you limit it only to faith, it becomes a little problematic. And so maybe we can touch on uh, the role that good works do play in our salvation. Yeah, I think it's you hit it right on the head when when you notice that we sometimes can talk past the reality right with certain terminal terminology i think of an instance i had you know i was walking around the college campus as a deacon and i was just wearing you know my sweats and i was approached by some folks and they started firing questions at me i don't think that they realized i had seven years of theological background already uh, so we talked for a few hours and i just realized there's so much um where we're just trying to prove the words are true. Um, But I think the Lord is inviting us into a deeper sort of reflection when it comes to, especially when we talk about works. Like Philippians uh, 2.12 talks about how we have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, right? Work out our salvation. So um, that doesn't mean that uh, the act of uh, Christ on the cross is insufficient. I think what it means is uh, we're being called to accept that reality, Right, to say yes to that, that free gift the Lord gives us, and the way by which we say yes is through our actions. Right? Imagine uh, speaking with your own family and saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, but your actions continue to show that you don't will their good, that you don't care for them. I think in a certain sense we could fall into that trap too with faith. Right? I, be- I say I believe, I believe, I believe, but our life is being totally contrary really starts to make that 
belief rocky. And so when we allow the faith to invite us into a change of life, uh, where we recognize the needs of the poor, where we uh, lay down our life for the sake of those who the Lord's placed in front of us, we realize that faith then becomes a lived reality, which looks an awful lot like good works. Uh, but we can get hung up on those sort of distinctions because, well, works are unnecessary for salvation. Yeah, but a life given uh, for the Lord makes works look uh, different. Uh, our life is transformed. And so, again, we, we go away from the, well, my checklist is I just need faith and I'm good to go, uh, or my checklist is I need faith and works, but to realize that a life of faith uh, is transforming, and that doesn't have to be so black and white. There's also, I think, misunderstanding a lot of times when people will read as a contemporary uh, Christian when, especially in, uh, I think, throughout a lot of the letter to the Romans that St. Paul is writing, he talks about works and faith so much throughout that letter. But he's talking about works of the law. You talked about, you know, works of mercy, you know, works of charity. And it's probably good for us to make a distinction between those two things, because when we're talking works of charity, works of mercy, you know, if we look at uh, when Jesus talks about the sheep and the goats in the 25th chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel, he really is talking about, you know, the uh, feeding the hungry, giving drink to those who are thirsty, uh, clothing those who don't have clothing, um, uh, visiting the sick and those imprisoned, different things like that. And there, there's no issue of faith at the end of that judgment where it says, you know, the sheep are on the right hand of uh, the Son of Man, and the goats are on the left, and the goats are the ones who are sent away into eternal punishment because of what they didn't do in ministering to those people that were really Jesus in disguise. So we've got those works of charity, those works of mercy, but then St. Paul is talking about works of the law where it's more kind of trying to do everything we can to earn our way to heaven. And that's, that's where we really want to make sure we understand there is nothing we can do that can earn our salvation. But those works of helping the poor, the needy, those who are around us, those are absolutely necessary. So two different categories of works, I think, can be confused. I think that's very true. And it, I think it even plays out in our own experience in modern day. Right? We feel that you know, uh, pressure to maybe uh, load up on devotional items, maybe even during the season of Lent, right? I feel almost a guilt or a, a pressure that if I don't do these things, that I'm doing the faith wrong and God's going to be displeased with me. Right? Sometimes we're called by the Holy Spirit to do more, and that's beautiful and good. Um, but as far as I have to do these things in order to get the intended effect of being loved by God forever in heaven. like uh, he, he actually just freely gives it. And I think about even uh, like the sacrament of confession. Uh, you know, as a penitent early on, it's so terrifying. But then if you really look at it, it's it's so simple. You know, he's so generous to us that he allows it to be this quiet, intimate sort of encounter with Jesus. Um, and the priest is bound by the seal, so there's no fear. Uh, it's it becomes almost just um, shocking how uh, generous he is to us that he doesn't make us work for it. Um, he just offers it freely day in and day out, and uh, it just waits for us. 
We're talking with Father Bobby Blood today, a priest in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois, talking about salvation. Have you been asked that question? Uh, Are you saved? Are you born again? Uh, Maybe a friend or family member asked that of you, and you weren't sure how to respond. Or maybe you did have a good response. Maybe you didn't have a good response, and you walked away feeling like you kind of blew your opportunity there. Uh, You can give us a call and share how you've been able to have those encounters. And maybe if you struggled, get a little advice for the next time that somebody poses that question to you. 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Email innerlife at relevantradio.com. And Father, let's go to Fran. She's listening in New Jersey. Hi, Fran. Welcome to the Inner Life today. Good afternoon. How are you? Um, uh, I had this question. Uh, I was a school bus driver, and I was driving the bus, and this young lady came up to me and said to me, Are you saved? And to be honest with you, I just sat there. I didn't know what to say. And I said, Nothing. (laughs) I just looked at her. I, I didn't know what to say. I'd never been asked that question before. And I've thought of it for years, because this was many years ago. So how was I supposed to respond to that to a young lady? Hmm. Phenomenal question. It is, it's off-putting, because there's such a confidence in the question, are you saved? And you feel like there has to be a yes or a no sort of answer. Um, but in all things, I think there's there's nuance, right? <laughs> when I'm asked that question, I often just chuckle and say, I sure hope so, right? I trust in the mercy of Jesus, and uh, I believe in his good works, right? Because a lot of folks who are asking that question are, are seeking to see, have you, like we use the phrase at the top of the hour, uh, have you accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior? And when they realize we're Catholic, and we don't use that terminology very often, then they get a little bit kind of, uh, they'll dance around the subject, but I think the uh, the dialogue that could follow is um, what does it mean for you to be saved? Right, I'm always kind of turning things back on on another to kind of help them to flesh out their perspective, and and then maybe to just share a little about our own experience with Jesus. Well, I fell in love with Jesus. X, Y, and Z fell in the story, um, and I do my best to to live out well what He's calling me to do. Uh, and I trust that if I continue to enter into that relationship, um, I'll be with him forever in heaven, right? But um, they will push for that sort of hard and fast yes or no. Um, but for us, it's more of a con- continual process, a deepening and, and trying to continue to say yes to that grace given to us on the cross by our life. Well, I think if I were asked it now, I would answer it better. But back then, like I said, it was quite a few years ago, I just thought she was like um, like a holy roller kind of a person mm-hmm. that was coming to me, and that's why I just, just I guess, said nothing. And I, also, I was working on a bus. There was no way I could have a long conversation with her. That's, that was for sure. But it was, I've thought of it for years. I wonder why I didn't answer her or why I didn't give her an answer saying yes, but mm-hmm. I didn't. <laughs> so... Yeah. In, okay, in I think I would answer better, like you said, now, if I were, if I were asked it at this time. But I thank yeah, you for your input. And well, we appreciate you, Fran. God bless you. Yeah, thanks for calling in, Fran. And, you know, as, as kind of off-putting as you said, Father, as that question might be, you know, there's that confidence, there's that, you know, that the other person might bring as they ask you that question— 
it is a good thing for us to, if we haven't really evaluated, um, you know, am I ready at this point? Are there things that I need to take care of in my life? Do I need to make it to confession? Have I not been going to Sunday Mass? You know, are there some of those things that I need to make sure I take care of so that I am ready uh, as as much as I can be if God calls me home at this point um, that, okay, you know, I I have a clear conscience and uh, you know, I'm just going to say, Jesus, I trust in you, and please, you know, I, I, it's it's because of of your sacrificial offering that I have any opportunity to even be united with you in eternity. So, um, it is good to have that that posed at us. If we haven't, um, you know, it gives us that opportunity to reflect and say, okay, maybe I do need to to get my house in order. And I had a parishioner point out yesterday, he was reading through the letters of Paul, and he said, it, it seems like Paul thought that Jesus was going to come back in his lifetime. And so there's a sense of urgency that Paul has. And then I, you know, I realized that we don't know. And so that sense of urgency we can find in St. Paul, even though Christ didn't come again in, in his time, uh, to realize it could be today. And so that same sort of urgency in that question to say, uh, am I ready? Am I ready for his return? Am I ready to answer for for my life? We're talking with Father Bobby Blood, a priest in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois, discussing what it means to be saved, salvation, and our Catholic understanding of that. You can give us a call at 888-914-9149, especially if you've had those encounters. I'd love to hear how you responded and if you were able to maybe clear up some misconceptions that somebody might have had of what Catholics understand salvation to be. Again, the phone number 888-914-9149. Also want to invite you, this upcoming Sunday is Divine Mercy Sunday. And Father Rocky and Drew Mariani at 3 o'clock Central on Sunday, they're going to have a special live broadcast for Divine Mercy. It's going to include exposition of the Blessed Sacrament and the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. And you can call in with your prayer intentions on that very special holy hour. Uh, this Divine Mercy Sunday. So make sure you tune in 3 o'clock Central Time here this Sunday. And also, Drew, you might have heard us talking about this. Drew has a brand new book. It's actually just about to wrap up at the printers. It's called Divine Mercy. And you can get your own copy. It's absolutely free. You don't have to pay for anything, not even the shipping. It's all completely free. If you go and log on at relevantradio.com, you'll see where you can click and register there or on the Relevant Radio app. More on the inner life here coming up in just a moment on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. If you're looking for a little help on your journey of faith, our priests are here for you. Call now. 1-888-914-9149 That's 1-888-914-9149 Or email us Inner Life at RelevantRadio.com. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond along with Father Bobby Blood, a priest in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois. 
looking at what the Catholic Church teaches about salvation. If you missed any part of the, uh, the, the program, again, as you just heard, go back and listen to the podcast, and you can find that at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. And Father Blood, uh, before we return back to the phones, it might be good for us to talk a little bit about the sacraments, because the sacraments are such a key part for us as Catholics. I mean, that's, that's uh, our, you know, we talk about it being our sacramental life. And especially for most of us, confession and the Eucharist, um, is there any way for us to be saved outside of those two sacraments? We know we have the sacraments of initiation. You know, we enter the church through baptism, but without confession, without the, the ability to be absolved of serious sin when we confess that. And then the Eucharist, you know, Jesus talked about if we don't eat his flesh, drink his blood, we cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, maybe you can talk on that for just a minute and help us understand uh, just the, the, the gravity, the significance, the importance of the sacraments and the role they play in our salvation. Yeah, the sacraments are, are the place by which we know that heaven kisses earth, right? Obviously, the the Eucharist, the source and summit of our faith, uh, is so crucial uh, to the life uh, that we long to live. I think about my my own experience before being ordained, and and I could tell the weeks where I made it to daily mass a, a couple of days during the week, and the weeks where I didn't. I could I could almost feel the emotional change. Uh, it, it's hard to live a life of virtue without going to the well. Um, in in the Catechism, it talks about you know baptism and 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 you know, with the essential nature of baptism, but it points out that God has bound salvation to the sacrament of baptism, but he himself is not bound by his sacraments. I think a similar thing could be true with our experience of confession and the Eucharist, right? Could God do things beyond those sacramental opportunities? Absolutely, and he's a big God. Uh, But is it going to be easy? Probably not, especially if we've learned about these graces, if we've learned about the gift of the Eucharist or of sacramental forgiveness of sins, if you know about those things and choose, well, I'll be fine without them, it's going to be a tough road. Uh, But Christ offers us sort of these tangible ways to meet him where we can say, you know what, I met Jesus today in the confessional, and I took my heavy burdens and I laid them down, and he took them away. And from that, it makes it a lot easier to say yes to the Lord when he asks us to make greater sacrifices and and enter into the mission of what he's calling us to. So is it possible to find this salvation without these sacraments? You know, uh, God is a good God, and and he's generous, and we trust that he's, he's trying to draw each and every soul that he's created to himself. But through his body, the church, which we've talked about, he's saying, this is the way that I want to generously pour forth all that you need. And I think that's a hopeful thought. Yeah, yeah. Uh, take the easy road if you can. <laughs> Life is hard enough. Uh, we're talking with Father Bobby Blood, a priest in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois, about salvation and our understanding of it as Catholics. Have you had somebody approach you and ask you that question? Are you saved? How did you respond? You can give us a call, 888-914-9149. Joseph is listening in Sacramento, California. Hi, Joseph. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Thank you for taking my call, Father and uh, Sir. Um, When I was on active duty, I had a few of those incidents happen to me where I, as a 
practicing Catholic, was challenged by fellow servicemen. And I was asked, uh, I believe, on two occasions that I distinctly remember. One was, well, do you know you're saved? Are you born again? And the other one was, oh, you're spiritually dead. Do you know that? Have you accepted Christ as your personal Savior? I forgot who I answered what to, but I came back with this. I said, you know, with your question, if I'm saved and born again, we Catholics, we believe in a sacrament called the uh, um, the one after baptism, uh, confirmation. And through that, through the actions of the voice of the bishop, his hands that represent the fire of the flame, I believe that we are born again in our faith that way. We have signs, we have words that make it, uh, as you said, Father, tangible, that engage our senses, that make it real. To the other person that told me, you know, uh, uh, are you saved? And I told them, uh, not only do I believe I'm saved, I hope I believe I'm saved, not through my own, but because I know I received Jesus in my faith, in our faith, the Catholic Church, through communion, because we believe that that is actually his body. And we Catholics, we believe that that is his actual body. And then they kind of went into, well, by whose teaching? And then I told them, well, this is the reason why we believe in the church. There has to be one true teacher, because that Bible that you say you quote and believe in so much, did you know that that came along because of the church? And I forget then, but those are my answers, Father. Just wanted to share that. Well, first and foremost, thanks for your your service, and also thanks for your faithfulness. You know, what I I love about your responses is uh, you brought it kind of back down into the the flesh, right, with the sacraments. Because when we speak in an intellectual way, sometimes it can get so cloudy. But to be able to share that witness of of the impact of the Eucharist and confirmation, uh, it's beautiful. And, And I love that you brought up confirmation. I feel like so often... We gloss over that sacrament because baptism is a heavy hitter, the Eucharist is a heavy hitter, but but confirmation, just like you're saying, we have the Holy Spirit stirred up into us, right? So that's uh, that's exciting. How did they respond when you kind of laid out your perspective? Did they, you know, continue to kind of push back, or did you come to a standstill? How did how did that all play out? For the um, for the person that answered me, that asked me if. I believe this in Jesus, if Jesus was my personal Savior, she kind of stopped. Because the moment I said, not only do we believe that he's my personal Savior, but I receive him every week. She kind of stopped. And the other person who was a bit more aggressive and said, oh, you know, you're spiritually dead. Do you know that? Because uh, do you know you're saved? You, You know, he was a bit more aggressive. And I think we came to a standstill when when he tried to quote some more scripture on me, and I told him, uh, well, uh, you know scripture, but I know that that scripture came to me because of the church that I follow. You know, it came to existence before that. You know, we need to follow uh, uh, this this group of people that said that, let's bring this books and let's call it the Bible. So, and I, and I forget where either I stopped because I didn't want to escalate because he kept him going or either he stopped. This happened years and years ago, but I distinctly remember. But as I grew in my faith, I realized more and more and more and more that this one true Catholic apostolic universal church is the one Christ founded because she gave us 
what we call the scripture, what the Protestants say, faith alone, scripture alone. Right, right. Sure, scripture and faith alone, but who brought that into being? Right. Yeah, well, that's a beautiful witness, and uh, I, I think these, these conversations, although they're difficult sometimes, are good for us, because just like you said, it it strengthens our faith, and we we learn how to, to speak the truth of what we've experienced. So really appreciate your witness today. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Father, as Joseph was saying there, with one of the people he was interacting with, he didn't want it to escalate, and they kind of came to a standstill. But that's also really important in these uh, these these times where we have a conversation with someone. You know, uh, if we if we get aggressive, if we get combative, uh, overly argumentative, well, we want to be able to stand our ground. If we start letting ourselves get riled up, we will never end up convincing somebody that we might actually have the truth. It really becomes. Uh, more of a fight at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we never want to lose a soul in the hopes of winning an argument, and so we realize that these conversations are the hopes to to draw people closer to Jesus and not just uh, maybe find holes in an argument. And I think that's a temptation because it is. It's uh, the faith is so personal and so important to us that we can start to get frustrated or agitated when others don't understand or they challenge without really hearing what we're trying to say first. Right, right. Let's go back to the phones. Father, we've got John listening in Milwaukee. And hi, John. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Hi. I just wanted to tell my story quickly. Um, I was at the store with my wife, and we were going to our car, and um, we have a license plate that says, See Kim. And somebody came up to us, and they said, Oh, you're, you're saved. You know the Lord. And then they realized that they went to school with my wife and many, many years, you know, earlier. And so they're like, you're saved. And, and she goes, oh, yes. She goes, I was saved. I am saved. And I hope to be saved. And they just, they're like, what? <laughs> and what it did was it, it kind of broke their script um, sometimes they get into, you know, they know what to say. They're, they're expecting certain responses. And that was something strange to them. And they didn't. And then this way you get to actually explain your faith. And um, especially as a Catholic, they just, they don't think you're saved and they're trying to win you over. Um, but having that response just kind of threw them off and they were listening more. So I just wanted to throw that in. I love I love the, the 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 final line there, and I hope to be saved. That word hope is, it's a little bit slippery, right? Because there's there's less, I don't know, uh, confidence or assurance in that word. But to be able to say I, I hope, I know the Lord and He's good, and I hope at at that time at the end I'm going to be taken care of. Um, there's comfort in that in that. Um, that virtue. So that's a that's a it's a good example. We appreciate you. Yeah, thanks John for your call. And maybe we can talk about that for just a moment here. There are some different uh, Christian groups that will say once you are saved and they look at it, at at it as this fixed point in your history 
the history of your life. If you are saved, you can never lose your salvation. Uh, what does the Catholic Church really teach about that? You talked about the hope of being saved. John referenced it with his wife. You know, I, I have been saved. I am being saved. I hope to be saved. Um, what does the Catholic Church talk about uh, the idea of that assurance or that once saved, always saved mentality? You know, I, th- I think the act of saving is done by Jesus on the cross, right? That's a thing that we know has historically happened and that grace is being offered. Uh, however, it's our acceptance of that reality that kind of changes. So, you know, you could have, let's say, a powerful conversion in college and uh, faith becomes primary for you and you really lean into it and, and you're staying close to him and you're serving the poor and, and you're receiving the Eucharist often. Uh, and then 10 years down the road, Life gets hard, and um, you want to enter into maybe different sorts of uh, sin that you know in the past has been bad, but you're tempted into it, becomes normal. Uh, You start to accept uh, mortal sin is acceptable, and you start to allow yourself to drift from the Lord, right? When we enter into those serious sins, we're, we're turning our back on the Lord and causing that sort of division. So at that moment... Uh, even though you were you were believing in Jesus and you were doing well for some time, you said no. You rejected him. Yeah. And then the and then the church offers us that that road back, but it's it's again it's a continual sort of invitation. Well, the important thing I think on that on what you're saying to Father is, it's us. You know, it's not that anything changes with Jesus or with, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, looking at that parable of the prodigal son, he's the one who leaves home. And even when he comes back, you know, the, the father ends up saying, my son was dead. Now he's alive. My son was lost. Now he's found. Um, you know, bring out. Let's celebrate. Let's welcome him back into the family. But the father, he never, he never left or he, he didn't pick up and move. You know, he was always there waiting, hoping, watching watching for his son to return, and he runs out on that road to meet him, to bring him back in. So it's really us, we're the ones who have the opportunity to turn our back, as you said, on that relationship. And he continues to to provide for us, even realizing the the story you're, you're speaking of, the prodigal son. When the son returned, the father slaughtered the fattened calf, and he threw a party. Right? So no matter how far we've been, no matter how long maybe we've turned our back on the Lord, not only will he welcome us back home, but he wants to continue to lavish us with grace and give us things far beyond what we could even imagine. Uh, and in that, we hope exactly what we've been talking about. Our spiritual director is Father Bobby Blood. And Father, we are down to about the last minute here of the program. Could I ask you to offer all of our listeners a final blessing? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank and we praise you for the gift of life, the gift of the resurrection, the gift of salvation. Father, we ask you to bless us that our eyes might be open to see you, and we might have the desire stirred up into us to say a total and full yes by our words and our actions, that we might know the sweetness of the life that is to come. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Bobby Blood, thank you so much for your time today. And uh, coming up tomorrow on The Inner Life, we're going to talk about recognizing Jesus in our lives when he appears to us, when he talks to us. And we're going to look at that story of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. They didn't recognize him right away. When did they recognize him? 
in the breaking of the bread. Where, how can we recognize Jesus when he comes to us? Also want to encourage you to stay with us here. We've got Mass coming up right now. Father Edward Looney is the celebrant. And of course, want to encourage you, if you don't, make sure you pray the rosary every single day. It'll change your life and you'll change the world. Pray the rosary. Have a wonderful day. God bless you.